Brought to you by Fruitnet Media, this is Fruitbox. Hello and welcome to Fruitbox, Fruitnet series of conversations about the fresh fruit and vegetable business with me, Chris White. Every week I talk down the line from here in London with people from across the world of fresh produce about some of the biggest issues they face today. I want these 15-minute conversations, which we now broadcast once a week every Thursday, to give you the best insight into how to do better business in fresh fruits and vegetables. Uh, Now, last week, we discussed with Ben Page of Ipsos Mori how the consumer market might look after the pandemic. Today, I want to take this discussion about the future shape of the market back to first principles, if you will, and namely to the business, to our business of fresh fruits and vegetables, in this case, here in Europe. What are the challenges that face the sector in this second wave of the pandemic? And what are the other issues on the agenda that we need to think about? They've not gone away. Things like the EU's Green Deal, Farm to Fork, and and let's, of course, not forget our old friend Brexit. To discuss these with me today, I'm delighted to be joined from Brussels by Philippe Binard of Freshfell, the European Fresh Produce Association. Philippe, hi, welcome to Fruitbox. Hi, Chris, good afternoon. Now, I should say, welcome back to Fruitbox, because you came onto the programme early last year um, to discuss some of the challenges of COVID for the sector. That was in the first wave, which now started almost a year ago, and which and we're now well into a second wave here in Europe. These challenges haven't gone away, uh, but perhaps the big issues today have changed a little as we've all become more used to life under COVID. So today, some of the big problems are kind of in transport and logistics. Am I right? Well, uh, Chris, I think if you remember, we were all uh, about a year ago in Fruit Logistica discovering uh, COVID. Uh, Mm. What we didn't know at that time is that it was leading us to something quite unprecedented. It's a global crisis. Mm-hmm. It's affecting or impacting all product. It's affecting our life. It's affecting our health. Uh, it's uh, affecting really in the case of uh, fresh produce also all the layer of the supply chain who have to adapt to this new environment. Um, and I think when uh, the COVID crisis started, we decided very early in, um, in in the story to make an impact assessment as Freshfell, because I think that was something which could help us in our uh, positioning, in the requirements that we the sector had to adapt to this new uh, situation. We had to know really what was the impact on the business from production down to retail. And Definitely, in the beginning, we were discussing about the impact of social distancing, uh, protective measure, uh, the added cost that all of that had on uh, the competitiveness of the supply chain. We very early estimated that there were a cost of roughly 500 million euros per month for the European fresh produce uh, chain. Um, that was reducing the efficiency for picking, for packing, additional charge also for transportation. So I think that has helped us to find with the authority uh, solution. Uh, the first uh, issue that has to be s- sorted out was the border crossing. You remember mm. the 
the long uh, queue at the Italian-Austrian border. Uh, we had also to address the issue of mobility of seasonal workers mm -hmm. and also consider a wide range of adaptation of the EU legislation uh, regarding, for instance, the activity of producer organization, the program for promotion, which were completely disrupted, uh, the need of uh, pushing for more digi digitalization, mm -hmm. etc. So, at that time, it was very good to see that fresh produce were deemed as a, an essential sector, uh, carrying uh, essential goods. Uh, and it, is in, it has been very important that uh, not only the, the goods, but also the worker, uh, the worker were considered as uh, such. Mm -hmm. And we have find, I think, solutions which have helped us to um, continue a business more or less as usual. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, the sales were very good uh, in the first wave, but that did not mean necessarily that it was really business as usual because there have been a lot of disruption, uh, in particular in the food service uh, business, always the fear of uh, when one uh, particular uh, segment does not work that there could be a domino effect in the whole chain. And um, this food service has been almost stopped, which for mm -hmm. those who were working at the production, you, you can remember the, the Cress uh, situation yeah. uh, where a great part of the production go to, um, to, to, to this food service business has been disrupted. So I think we had to um, adapt to, to this situation uh, and the impact that it had on production, on wholesale business, on the catering service. And um, unfortunately, all these disruption at that level uh, continue. But um, I think COVID has also an important element. It has started to change the consumer behavior and the mm -hmm. sector need to adapt to that. Um, I think the, the consumer have been keen to look in the first wave of the pandemic to look for healthier product. They were looking for an environment they, where they wanted to be reassured, therefore looking for more natural product, more local product, more pre-packed product, afraid that the, the, the bulk product could carry the, the contamination of the virus. Uh, and there's been an adaptation of the, of the attitude of the consumer uh, moving to uh, online shopping also, being afraid to go to the shops. So I think all of that have been uh, elements which uh, in particular the online, which have been boosting the digitalization, uh, both on the B2B, but also on the B2C. Mm -hmm. uh, I must say that as we move into the second and now also the, the third wave, uh, there is a, an important element, which is the growing uh, uncertainty about the economic situation, about the, um, uh, the, 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 the situation with, uh, with the, the, the people who are losing jobs, and that could have an impact on, on consumer attitude. Uh, forgetting about the premium product, you remember that uh, in the first week, everyone was looking for organic product. I think this uh, is over, uh, and the consumer are much more looking for, for prices. So we will have to see which of these change will be a short-term uh, reaction and those that will be built more uh, permanently into, um, uh, into the attitude of, of consumer and, and then uh, adapt uh, more on the longer term. Uh, but I think, and to conclude on this point of um, COVID, uh, I think it's very important to, uh, to underline that the sector has demonstrated all its resilience, its facility, to uh, adapt, to search for solution uh, so that um, uh, the sector could adapt to this new environment, to this new purchasing um, attitude of consumer, uh, adapting promotion strategy, adapt 
shifting also to to the flow of product with more local product, uh, also still a very strong intra-EU market, but less export to third country market. So I think there have been a lot of uh, uh, element. And when we look at the situation today, I think with the, uh, the spread of the new variant, uh, I think we still have as an organization to carefully monitor the situation for the movement of goods and in particular for the condition of the mobility of uh, trucks and uh, of course on the health and, and safety and the control of the truck drivers. Um, if you remember, because you are based in, in London, mm-hmm. what uh, has been experienced and that was that could have been a, a pre-Brexit uh, flavor in December where there were more than 4,000 trucks which were stuck in Kent mm-hmm. uh, pending the testing uh, of the truck driver for the new English variant of the virus. And now we see that uh, also on the continent, we are uh, watching very carefully some additional rules that are being taken in some of the country, like in Germany, uh, which could give a lot of uncertainty, uh, in particular, if there will be uh, more control on the truck uh, drivers, which for us, based on previous decision at the European level, should be considered as um, essential worker. Uh, and it will be very important if we want to maintain the, uh, the supply of product um, without any disruption. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philippe, you mentioned uh, Brexit. I, I mentioned Brexit at the, at the top of the programme. And, and it's a challenge, this challenge of Brexit, that would have come whether or not we had COVID. Uh, Brexit is really very much on your agenda at Freshville at the moment, isn't it? Well, it's, it's true that last year, uh, when everyone had to uh, be focused on the preparedness for Brexit, that uh, COVID have take over. But uh, um, yes, uh, Brexit remained very uh, much in the air at the end of last year. Um, uh, we, we, we continue to follow it very carefully in uh, our organization. Uh, I must say it was mainly a relief when uh, a few days before Christmas, I don't know whether that was a Christmas gift because I don't think Brexit is a Christmas gift, but we were relieved that uh, they were an agreement and that the major implication of the agreement uh, was uh, avoiding the introduction of custom duty, which could have been for several of our products up to 15 or 20%. So a big relief for um, the importance of a market like the UK, uh, where always the concern of the Russian embargo, uh, where two million tons were uh, from one day to the other suspended. Here in the case of the UK, well, you know the figures, uh, 40% of the total uh, UK market supply is coming from the EU. That means 3.2 million tons. Of course, they were never any idea to, um, to, to, to suspend this trade flow. But uh, I think the condition in which the business is developing is, uh, extremely, very, is, is extremely important. So uh, business can therefore continue uh, today. For sure, uh, there will be less flexibility. There will be additional red tape. And this, of course, has a cost. Um, I think in, uh, in the first week, we have tried to make an estimation. Uh, roughly from what we understand from the, from the sector is that depending on the composition of the truck, uh, the additional costs for outsourcing uh, paperwork and uh, certification could be between 300 to 500 euro per truck, uh, plus some additional costs for uh, the inside the company for the, uh, the the workload. And considering that there are about 140,000 trucks per year, uh, this could lead easily to an additional cost of 60 to 70 million euro. So. 
at the end on a per kilo basis that doesn't mean much and mm -hmm. uh, of course it's nothing to do if we'll have got on top of that the 15 or the 20 percent uh, additional duty but um, we could say that so far uh, with the first uh, four week in January, trade flow went relatively softly. There's been no delay uh, registered at the border. And uh, this could change a little bit later on 1st of April when we'll have uh, another step into the, uh, the, 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 the Brexit when uh, in fact, as of that time, a phytosanitary certificate will be required. And that could be quite a logistic uh, and um, an administrative burden for the administration in the EU, for the UK with its capacity to inspect. Uh, so I think that could lead to some uh, additional concern that we will have to, to, to monitor on the capacity on both sides to, uh, to respond to, to this. This is why, uh, as we feel uh, that not everything could be perfect, as an organization, we would still like to have a, a further delay, uh, also still in the COVID environment, uh, where there are less uh, capacity to, to control. And we would like to uh, push this further until the time that digitalization and e-fito system will be in place to avoid uh, distortion. But for the time we are monitoring uh, what is happening, there are several aspects that are leading to, uh, to question that we try to solve uh, with the support of the Commission here in Brussels, with the support of the Member States, with the support of uh, DEFRA and different ministry in the UK, and of course in close relationship with uh, our UK member, and in particular the Fresh Produce uh, uh, Consortium. We are looking at issues relating to rule of origin, marketing standard, the flow of product between Great Britain and Northern Ireland, um, and also observing also the first regulatory deviation, in particular on MRL. So uh, we could say that uh, for those who were believing that the story of Brexit was ending at the end of last year with the deal, this is not exactly the case. The, sto <laughs> the story is not totally over. We, we continue to test it and we are watching very uh, closely with our member and avoid any trade distortion so that the UK market could continue to be supplied mm -hmm. as it was before. So, as you said, the next date in the diary to watch for is April the 1st, April Fool's Day, but, but this is no joke. But let's, let's turn to the policy agenda in the European Union, which is your kind of bread and butter. And the focus there, I think I'm right in saying, is on this EU Green Deal and farm to fork. T tell us some more. What does all this mean? Well, uh, indeed, uh, Green Deal and Farm to Folk will be the thematic of the coming years because it's really embraced everything. Mm -hmm. um, for the moment, it's still a strategy. That means it's not um, uh, a rule. Um, it's, uh, it's not enshrined in law yet. Targets, yeah. uh, not yet in law. Uh, so that means that uh, all the debate is ahead of us. Mm -hmm. um, and that will be for the EU an opportunity to uh, review many aspects of the legislation and uh, also take the lead, uh, I think at the world level, on a number of uh, uh, agendas such as the, climatic, uh, the, 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 the climate change mm -hmm. uh, debate. And uh, of course, this will touch on a lot of uh, different uh, topics to reach this objective. Um, and the EU is already looking at all possible incentives uh, to make um, uh, this uh, policy or this move successful. They are looking about how adapting the 
the, the, the support to, to growers, the financial support in the common agriculture policy, the financial support for promotion policy, which should be really enhancing sustainability, uh, organic production, etc. Uh, also looking at the new uh, multi-financial framework, the, the EU is looking at about how to influence international partnership and cooperation project with uh, third country so that they could also get prepared uh, to the new requirements uh, that they will meet when exporting to Europe, but also to assist the European exporter, which might be less competitive if they embark into all these steps for the uh, for, for the Green Deal uh, by looking at the uh, export credit system, etc. So I think there is a, a lot of things, including, and that's uh, quite uh, incredible, uh, considering some derogation on the EU competition policy, mm-hmm. uh, provided that uh, this derogation will be facilitating the Green Deal and the farm to fork. So uh, maybe there will be more flexibility in regard to antitrust, to merger and acquisition, or mm. to state aid. So I think that shows the level of eagerness of the authority to move forward with this uh, agenda, which when we go closer to our sector, it means that uh, there will be uh, an additional reduction of the use of uh, plant protection product uh, and fertilizer, a boost of organic land across Europe. Uh, So some of these are very challenging and often distance from uh, the market reality uh, that uh, uh, fresh produce has. But uh, I think uh, we could take the uh, Green Deal and um, Farm to Fork as as a challenge. And indeed, it will be on some of the elements because climate change imposes, for instance, that we need to adapt uh, the, the production to uh, new pests and disease, for instance, or to uh, water restrictions. So we need to find solution there. But I think we could be also very positive because both on the environmental perspective, meaning water usage, energy uh, use, uh, CO2 emission, plant protection, uh, I think we have great records. And the same uh, could be said also regarding the the health perspective, which is also very important because I think they would like to push for a more plant-based diet, uh, which could be very good for uh, the CO2 emission as well, compared to other food category. So we really need to build uh, this uh, agenda to value uh, already the, all the effort that the fruit and vegetable sector has been doing on sustainability for the last 20 years to convince consumers on the health benefit of fresh produce as to offer. So uh, I think we could take this as a, as a challenge, but I think we have also a lot of things to, uh, to, to win in the sector and finally maybe boost the consumption above this uh, 400 gram, which is something that we have been uh, desperately fighting for the last uh, uh, 10 years uh, to, 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 to move there. And uh, definitively the, uh, the, 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 the Green Deal and the Farm to Fork could provide an opportunity to uh, set the record right. As you say, lots of challenges, lots of opportunities. And this search for a kind of cleaner, greener Europe, these policy changes are are being driven also, of course, by the changing demands of of consumers across Europe and our our own position as a business sector to what consumers really want has to change too, doesn't it? I mean, what, what, what do you need, what do we need to think about here? Well, the first thing is that there is not one consumer. I think there is a uh, more and more a fragmentation of consumer when you look at uh, all the, the, the age category with completely mm. different 
uh, eating pattern. When you look uh, also at uh, the move for uh, those who like organic, those who like uh, uh, geographical indication, those who like uh, um, convenient product, those who like ready to eat product. Uh, so I think we have a, a lot of uh, fragmentation of the consumer. But uh, I think they, they all look for more convenience, they look for taste, they look for diversity, they look for innovation. And I think in the sector, we have all of that. Uh, I think in, the, in, in Freshfield, what we have been looking more specifically in the past uh, few years uh, has been to address the millennials uh, because they are uh, the consumer really of tomorrow. They are those who are taking now, uh, because of their age, the control of their uh, buying attitude, mm -hmm. uh, starting to educate children. So I think it's very important that the millennials are uh, really well targeted and could be part of this effort towards um, uh, more consumption of fruit and vegetables. Uh, and as I said before, we have a lot of advantage to all what the consumer wants today uh, in, in regard to, um, uh, to social concern, societal concern, uh, and, and environmental concern. And um, we have been... Uh, accompanying this move into our uh, campaign, uh, which was called Follow Me to Be Healthy, which is now in its third year, and which have uh, really reached out to a lot of people uh, through the various uh, social media. So that uh, we believe has been a very successful campaign. And now uh, I think uh, it's important to remember that uh, 2021 has been decided by FAO as the International Year for Fruit and Vegetables. Uh, so I think we have also as a sector to collectively um, uh, do all what we can to reposition fruit and vegetables toward the consumer. But we as an organization, as Freshfell, we have decided to uh, try to reposition better fruit and vegetables towards the decision maker. And we have started uh, also a little social media campaign, which is called Speak Up for Fruit and Vegetables, where on Twitter, we passed a number of messages and we will do that for the 52 weeks of uh, 2021. And of course, accompanying this by uh, additional um, action towards uh, uh, our uh, speaking partner in the European Commission, in the, in the Parliament, so that we could uh, have a better positioning of uh, fruit and vegetable. We have a very good example this year with the budget for promotion where um, in the past we had 8 million dedicated uh, in the 200 million uh, budget to fruit and vegetable in uh, 2021 uh, call we have 19.1 million so we have more than double our budget which is a first uh, positive signal from the farm to fork and green deal that we were discussing mm -hmm. uh, below, but uh, hopefully also a reward for all the activity of uh, Freshwell here in Brussels to have a better positioning for fresh produce. Mm -hmm. Now, Elf, let's finish, finish, Philippe, by turning um, actually to the issue of food retail and, and the growing importance of e-commerce. You've just actually unveiled some very interesting findings of a study you've undertaken with, at Freshfell with the OECD. Can, can you tell us some more about that? Well, very simple. Uh, we started to discuss last year um, internally, but also with um, the, the Commission and some member states about the impact of the development of e-commerce. Initially, we, dis we decided to, to look at um, 
when a product go to the e-commerce channel, where are the control? Are they uh, following the same rule as uh, a classical um, trade pattern? Mm -hmm. uh, because we wanted to avoid distortion of competition between two different um, uh, trade flow. Uh, and we started to look at that with uh, authority. I think we have made an inventory of uh, uh, different aspects. And then we have been moving on to compare the different distribution channel. Uh, so what, in fact, um, online shopping was meaning and, and was it exactly the same? Uh, was it more uh, grower driven who was selling at the farm or was it more uh, cash and carry? Uh, so we have been comparing the, the development of uh, e-commerce and online uh, sales in a number of European countries. And then we have teamed up with, um, at the beginning of, la of last year with OECD also. Uh, where we have review and uh, check our uh, report. And now this report has just been released, in fact, uh, today. Uh, it can be found on our uh, website. Uh, and I think this is a topic that we will have to, uh, to, to continue looking in the, in the coming uh, weeks and months, uh, not only because of what we have seen with COVID, where consumers have moved towards more online uh, purchase, but also looking at the evolution of the, of the legislation to give the response to what I was mentioning before, that there is no uh, distortion of competition between those who are uh, operating in one uh, channel and those who are in the more classical uh, business environment. So a topic to be followed. Uh, and, uh, and definitely, I think the, the, the report is the first uh, kind uh, of report for fresh produce, I think. Uh, so I think definitely it will be something where everyone will find a lot of interesting information. And as you said, that's uh, available to download from your website, freshfell.org. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Philippe, uh, it's fascinating as always, and that, but that's all we've got time for today on Fruitbox. I was joined down the line by Philippe Binard of Freshfell, the European Fresh Produce Trade Association. Philippe, thanks so much for coming back on Fruitbox. Now, you can find today's conversation with Philippe and the many others I'm having here at Fruitbox on our website, fruitnet.com. I'm going to shift attention to food retail over the next couple of weeks uh, here on Fruitbox. I'm due to be speaking uh, with the Fresh Produce Chief of Marks & Spencers on next week's episode. So do stay tuned for that and for future episodes of Fruitbox. In fact, make it your regular listen in 2021. That was Fruitbox and this is Chris White. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. To sponsor a future episode, please email advertising at fruitnet.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Fruitnet Live. And don't forget you can keep up to date with all the latest fresh produce industry news at fruitnet.com.